This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to By the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin. With me, as always, my fellow appreciator of good writing in all its forms, Shamila Ganesan. Hello. So, um, today we're doing something slightly different uh, because we are going to be talking about, I think, a form of writing or of delivering writing to people that perhaps we haven't yet explored on the show, and that is newsletters. So, we're joined today by Darshni Kandasamy, who is the CEO of Between the Lines. Darshni, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, perhaps we could start off with this. Um, tell us about Between the Lines. How did the idea for it come about? What was the, the intention, really? We started Between the Lines three years ago. It was actually started by my my late husband and I three years ago. And the idea for it was we spent some time working overseas and we really, um, it's really twofold. We, we were coming back to Malaysia and we really wanted to, we've been journalists for many years and we've worked in various aspects of the media industry. And it was just, you know, before GE14 as well. So we really wanted to put all our experience in a way that could, you know, in our skills in a way that could benefit Malaysians. And when we were abroad, we noticed that this newsletter trend was really taking off. And generally, uh, I found Malaysia is always like a, a two or three years behind the trends. And we were really taken in by, you know, the morning brew and skinny um, newsletters like that. And I had done quite a bit of work and I still do a quite a bit of work uh, on media literacy and misinformation. And we began to realize that there really needed to be or you could try this sort of medium that would help Malaysians keep informed. A, a new way of presenting the news that would may, make it easier for them to digest, but actually to understand the news as well. It's something that isn't so daunting as a very formal uh, media news report that's just inundating you with with reports 24 hours a day and social media. So everyone had an email and we figured, you know, let's let's give this a try. And so that's really how it came about. So if I could just sum up what Between the Lines is, we're essentially a weekday email newsletter. And we summarize and we distill and we truncate the main news of the day in a very, and we present it to you in a very easy, breezy, uh, simple read in your inbox every morning. And our main aim is to not just help uh, our readers be informed with what's going on, but more importantly, to understand the news, why it matters, and the most important is how it relates and why it matters to you. So if I could just go back a little bit to you talked about uh, how you came across newsletters. Um, If you could expand on that, what was your first introduction? What drew you to them? So for me, I'd spent two years, uh, we were living in Hong Kong. So of course, there was a lot of transit on the MTR, um, a lot of free time. And I didn't always like to carry a very heavy book, right? And, And I was a freelancer. I've been in the media industry for a very long time. So it was a daily habit for me to check the news. But even then, I was finding it very cumbersome constantly having to refresh the news portals and read. And I used to follow the quads. And they started this uh, very short newsletter called The Quads Obsession, which speaks about the most random things in a five-minute read. And I really liked the idea. And coincidentally, when we came back, my husband was talking about the same idea that he wanted to talk about newsletters. And that's why, you know, this whole idea came about Really, it started because of the transit and quads and this idea that this is simple thing. We always check our emails. No matter what, you have Facebook, you have TikTok, it changes, but we always go back to our email. And when you have, a, you know, the best way when you're on the throne, when you're in the car, on the train, 
I'll just check my email. It's not going anywhere. Can I just say that I also love Quartz Obsession. Um, yes. I think it's a really fun <laughs> newsletter. I was wondering, though, you know, whether you also thought about the different ways that you wanted to break up or parcel the newsletter. So you, you mentioned earlier, you know, the focus on news, the idea of bringing in this sort of more breezy approach to the morning read. And when I think about the newsletters that come out, they're often broken up into sections, right? And those sections sometimes have a multimedia component, sometimes not. How do you think about that for Between the Lines? So I think um, most newsletters, they're same, same and different, right? Like you say, they're broken up into different chunks and for us, we really wanted to keep it as simple as, as possible because we wanted to put all our energy into um, helping people understand what they read. So we didn't want to sort of go the opposite direction and flood the newsletter with graphics and images that would take away from it. We really wanted people to scroll through and feel like, oh, this was an easy read and yet come off it thinking, ah, I, I know what's what's going on. So that's, you know, we experimented. Initially, we were super duper short. Um, and then we realized that there was just not enough context going in. And then we became too long. And we realized that it, you know, defeated the purpose if people stopped reading it halfway. And so now we've we'll sort of reached like a happy medium over the last two years or so, where we have about three to four of the main news that we really deep dive into. And then we have like a, we call it the bits and bobs where, you know, stuff that you should know, but we really don't need to go into details. And why did you think this would work, particularly when it comes to this idea of a news roundup or getting insight into daily news within a Malaysian context? What gap were you trying to fill? So like I said, when we when we came back, it was really at that time where GE14 was going to happen. And if you notice, that was really the first election where um, the politicians really leaned on Facebook, Facebook Live, social media, really taken on. So people are no longer just relying on, on newspapers. They were relying on news portals and had all these sites and blogs and, and influencers popping up and information was coming from everywhere. And being in the news industry for a very long time, I've always felt, you know, journalism is always evolving. It's always changing and it doesn't have to be oh, let's present this in a website, in a very formal manner. You know, end of the day, our goal was, we really felt like there's got to be a better way to help people get information, get credible information and understand this without being a slave to the news websites. I mean, don't get me wrong, newsrooms do a very important service. They cover the news, they keep you updated. You know, they're the capacity that small newsletters like us cannot do. But how can we work together with that and take into that and fit into that landscape and just help the user keep informed? So tell us then about how Between the Line works. I mean, what is the subscription model? How is the content made? So we are a paid newsletter, but we have three tiers. We have a free tier. So you get to try the newsletter for a month for free. And subsequently, you will still get our special reports and any special products that we come up with. We have a monthly and an annual paid package. So you have uh, 10 ringgit a month and 100 ringgit a year. And we deliberately priced it down to 10 ringgit a month because uh, we have a lot of professionals who follow us. But and a lot of time people are saying, oh, you've, you've, underpriced yourself but we started this as a service you know whenever looking of course we would like to earn a proper income we don't you know but we're not looking to squeeze people for they really wanted Malaysians to be able to afford the service and so we didn't want to price ourselves out of this intention that said 
really one of the challenges that um, subscription model outlets face here um, is that Malaysians seem to be reluctant to pay for news. Um, Has this been something you've faced? Yes, yes. In fact, that was the initial period. So we started out as a free newsletter to really get the word going and for us to work out um, exactly how we wanted the newsletter to look and to get people familiarized with who we were. And we also realized that um, have, getting Malaysians to pay for news, it's, it's going to be a challenge. So um, really, it, it's much better now. You know, I think when we started, um, Malaysia Kini was probably one of the very few paid news uh, products available online. And now you see almost everyone is a paid model, which is, a, I think, a really great step. So the mindset is changing, the understanding that, you know, you need to contribute a little bit to get quality journalism and we're helping each other out that way. So that has helped us quite a bit. But a lot of it was also building this relationship with our readers that, you know, they're like, we, we really like what you do. So it's also about, it started out very transactional you know, a product, I'm selling you something, I buy. And we do have readers who are like, they just come to us because we want the news. But we also realize over time, we've built a following of readers and subscribers who also believe in what we do and like the way that we're saying it. And they feel like they connect with us and we respond and communicate with them. So, you know, they're willing to pay for that. They're willing to support us for that. And that that cultivating that mindset and building that relationship is probably one of the key areas that we focus on. We're speaking with Darshni Kandasamy, CEO of Between the Lines, um, which is a newsletter about, of course, newsletters. That is the topic of our show today. Let us know. Uh, do you subscribe to newsletters? Do you pay for them? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Bruce Freddie Morrissey, BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. And our guest today is Darshni Kandasamy, who is the CEO of Between the Lines, which is a newsletter, which is really the subject of our show today. Um, Darshni, before the break, we were talking about the, I think, the work involved in putting out the newsletter. Uh, talk to us about your team. Who are the people involved? How many people does something like this take? So we're a really small, small team. So I'm I'm the CEO. My editor is Edward Gomez. And we have two writers, senior writer Leslie and a junior writer Annabelle. And we have, of course, our IT consultant, Eric, who's based in uh, Singapore, but we don't we don't judge him on that. Um, so it's it's really a small, a really a small, small team. Um, and so how how it works is that you know we monitor the news, English, BM, online whatever medium we can throughout the day, we compare news reports, how it's being presented, what's being presented. We do our research in the evening, we have an editorial meeting and we decide what's the top news and what's the kind of context, what needs to be explained. If it's a policy, what needs to be explained about the policy? If it's a, you know, a political fight, if it's uh, Anwar Ibrahim fighting with Dr. Mahade, it, sometimes it's not just a tit for tat. Sometimes this beef goes back way before and it has implications for example what someone says now in the election so what is the information that our readers need to take away from that so we have quite an extensive discussion in the evening and then so we really we're all night night birds um we start writing at night uh we start editing very early in the morning we go through a two-level reading process to try and catch whatever you know mistakes if possible to do a last minute read to make sure we're really caught on if there's any last minute news to just do all our fact-checking as fast as we can. And it comes out at nine o'clock in your email. 
So you mentioned this earlier that there's been a building of a relationship with the readers over the years. What's that been like? How have you seen this play out? Um, so it's it's been really great. I mean, it's been a our readers we we call them the BTL community. That's, they've been really really great. And just I think the the first time when we realized that we were starting to have this relationship was about two years ago. I think so. We we very rarely take days off. It's usually only public holidays. We take a short two week break at the end of the year. We rarely, unless it's an emergency. So at that point, about two years ago, we had never taken a day off. And suddenly we found ourselves in one of that awful bad luck situation where everyone was out. Two writers were sick and someone had a death in the family. And we were like, oh, crap. How, you know, we did not want to not put out a newsletter. People were paying for this service and and that's important. But at the same time, we were like, you know, which was more important? Do we put out the newsletter or put out a half-baked you know, not up to our level and really disappoint, which would hurt us more. And finally, we said, you know what? End of the day, if our writers were sick, our writers were sick. If there's a death in the family, I think the human connection is more important. And we just, you know, let's send an email to our readers and hopefully they would understand. And we had no experience with, with this. At, at, that, at that point, we, like I said, we started as very transactional, people paying for a service. We had no idea how people were going to respond. And, you know, we sent out the email and the next day when we opened our inbox, there were so many emails from readers. And instead of scolding us and saying, I want to unsubscribe, which is what we were expecting, they were like, oh no, you guys are doing a good job. You need the break. Don't worry, we'll be here. I hope you guys are all right. I hope you're fine. And that really was the start of it when we realized that, no, this is not just, oh, here's a newsletter, please read it. This was really something that people were getting on board and building this sense of familiarity with who we were. And that really, you know, made us realize how important this was. So, you know, one of the conversations about writing is about this distinction between giving readers what they want as opposed to what they need. And I think that in the uh, Malaysian political setting, that can be especially true. Um, Do you have a stronger sense than before about what your readers want or expect as opposed to what you might feel uh, the main takeaways of the day should be? And and how do you kind of find that push and pull? Well, I think that's always going to be a conundrum that every news um, organization have. But how we do it is we really, um, you know, people subscribe to us because we bring you that experience. We have, you know, 30, 40 years experience between us um, to monitor the news. Um, so we're not coming at you as saying that we are on this high horse and telling you what's important. You know, like I said, we don't produce the news. We really follow what the news we aggregate and we see what is being reported. So, Based on that, we are telling you and based on the situation, if it's elections going on, then yes, you should, you know, know what's going on in politics. We're not going to suddenly talk about, you know, a celebrity who has passed away when the biggest news of the day is politics. You know, everything, it, it's, it will never get it 100% right. I think there's some times where we we are like, oh, man, maybe we should have on hindsight focus. But I think really every day it's quite clear what the top stories are. But in that sense, where we focus on what our readers want is really the, the kind of context that they need. Uh, we, we monitor social media a lot. We try and eliminate, of course, the trolls that exist there. But it really is a good place. We, we talk to people all the time. We go out, we meet people. We still you know talk to journalists and activists and academics and our friends and we monitor social media. And that gives us a very good sense of the sentiment and what people are saying and the questions people are asking. And from there, we kind of know like, okay, there is obviously the gap in this information and people want to know, you know, 
the news reports are saying the prime minister said this, but no one is explaining what it means or no one is asking this question or no one is answering, but clearly people want to know. So we take our cues from there. So one thing about a newsletter is a, a question of the intimacy that's created. It's a more personal approach to take with your reader. How do you balance that tone with the more journalistic approach, particularly given the content that you're putting out? Yeah, so we we rely on sarcasm and humor quite a bit. And I, I always maintain that I think people tend to think of journalism and put it in this kind of a very stuffy box that journalism has to be presented in the days, in the way it used to be in the newspapers, very official language and it's very hoity-toity and it's very serious. And this is not journalism because you make jokes. But end of the day, journalism is really about keeping people in, informed. And even if you see the news portals nowadays, they're always finding new ways to deliver that, that information. So um, we always go back to when we write something um, what is the point that we're trying to say? Are we just trying to make a joke for the sake of making a joke? Or are we actually informing people about something? And we try and get our, our balance from there and the language that we use and, and the way that we say it. End of the day, is this important? If someone reads this, are they going to benefit from this? Or is this just you know a waste of their five minutes? I'm also curious, um, you mentioned social media, you mentioned people writing emails, right, in response to receiving the newsletter. Um, how does that then influence your content? Uh, how often do you adjust your content to based on the feedback you receive? What kind of conversations do you have while making those shifts? It's always an open process. Uh, we'll never just say, oh, no, we're not going to take on feedback. But in the beginning, when you're just starting out, and we still fall into that trap where we take everything very personally, you know, someone's like, oh, I don't think this joke is very funny. We, we have like a existential crisis where, oh my God, is there something wrong with us? Uh, we change our sense of humor completely. Or someone says, and sometimes you get very, someone says, oh, your newsletters are getting too long. Oh, it's too short. You know, and, and where do you strike that balance? So we always take it in and then we kind of have a discussion. Uh, we bounce ideas around. So it's not just one person making decision and we decide Sometimes, yeah, you, you don't need to write a 500-piece, you know, Pulitzer Prize-winning essay to explain something. But sometimes you do need to give it an extra 50 words, an extra 100 words, if it makes a difference between comprehension and noise. But yeah, but I think the lesson here for us is just you really can't take things too personally, but you also have to be humble and give every opinion what it's worth. So what's next for Between the Lines? Where do you see this going? Oh, um, we'd love to come up with more more newsletters to see where the need goes to take the BTL brand of humor and, and language and context and see how else we can benefit Malaysians. We'd love to produce podcasts and videos. Um, so we're hoping to grow to the point that we can, and after elections where we can actually focus on um, really just expanding the brand. Darshni, thank you so much for speaking with us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. That was Darshni Kandasamy, CEO of Between the Lines, which is a newsletter that you can find at betweenthelines.my. And that That's is right. what we've been discussing today. Um, basically trying to look at the, the growth of newsletters as a writing form and specifically asking about Between the Lines. Let us know, do you subscribe to newsletters? Do you pay for that subscription? Because there are, um, as Darshni said, often tears to this. Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at by the book at bfm.my
brings us to footnotes. Uh, so, of course, because the topic of the show today is newsletters, uh, we thought it would be apropos to talk about them in the more from a reader's point of view, I think, and the the particular role that they fill. So, um, Darshni spoke about realizing a growing proliferation, right, of them in the in the last couple of years. And I have to say that for me, how it began was I noticed a lot of writers that I enjoyed from certain outlets leaving said outlets and then basically starting a, a substack or starting a newsletter or subscription and pushing that out. And that is how I really began to think about the form that it's taking and the particular business role or writing role it plays for people who think who, who basically work as writers. So I have to confess, I am both familiar with newsletters, but perhaps not the best in terms of subscribing to them. I keep telling myself I should. I keep telling myself there are many that I want to support. Um, And it's not for lack of interest or, or even thinking that it's worth my time or anything like that. I think it's just one of those things that I keep putting in the back burner and not doing. I totally see the value of it, though. And you're right that in the last... Um, Five years or so, there's been a proliferation of personalities, platforms, um, even uh, companies that have kicked off newsletters for various reasons. Um, And as with many of these things, some are great, some are just on the bandwagon. Um, But it is interesting because it changes this idea of you seeking out news to it being news that comes to you and sometimes curated to you. What I'm interested in is the distinction between a newsletter and a blog. And I think that for some people, it's a lot clearer. So for example, with a Between the Lines or with a Quartz Obsession, the the ties to news or to very particular topics it is clear. And therefore, there is no blog-ish feeling. Um, I, I also know that saying the word blog, um, you know, throws us all back to the years of, I don't know, Tumblr or something like, like I'm be, we're being shoved <laughs> 15 years backwards. I, I'm aware of that. But I think for a lot of us uh, who grew up reading things on the internet, uh, what we're most familiar with would actually have been blogs. Um, and they were in their own sense subscription models, right? Although that's more like you subscribe to find out when an article or when the next blog post was going to drop. So I, I'm interested in it because this is like a step further, right? In other words, I no longer go to you and your site. Instead, you are coming into my inbox. But there is a similarity um, insofar as there is that growth of uh, familiarity between reader and the person sending it. Uh, there is this idea of regularity as well, of something being regularly given or, or regularly put out to you. But there are also distinctions, and I think that comes um, in the form of the structure generally. So for me, the newsletters that I subscribe to and, and you know, I confess I am not currently paying for anything that I've subscribed to. Um, they tend to be more people whose thoughts or works or opinions um, or even guidance sometimes I value. Um, you know, so just off the top of my head, one is a local writer, Dinesha Kartigesu. He's a poet um, and he's got a very intimate, personal kind of newsletter that he sends out um, that I appreciate reading very much. Um, it's, it's a lot of soul searching tied in with the process of being a writer. And 
And then I also subscribe to Jessica Abel, who is a comic book writer. Um, and she sends out a lot of stuff that has to do not just with her own work, but motivation for people who create their own content, um, guidance, ideas, ways in which to not get uh, bogged down or ideas for inspiration, which I appreciate as well. And it's nice to see, I think, to get insight into her process and maybe sometimes that feeds into the work I do. Talking about it now, um, it strikes me that perhaps I think of newsletters as not needing or wanting to be something I already do for work, meaning that I'm clearly not subscribing to news newsletters because I do so much of that for my daily job already. The newsletters I subscribe to uh, tend to be female writers. So I was thinking about this. Um, they tend to be female writers who are offering perspectives on being a woman or just a human being online. Um, I don't think that that's the only thing that they write about, but it does tend to be a uh, perhaps a lens or in some senses a preoccupation. I've spoken before about Hayley Naman, um, who, whose work I, I really like. Um, it has a I think it's the fact that our ages are similar and that therefore there is the sense of grappling with the internet, both as uh, people who are on it all the time, but also who remember a life without it um, and who question who they would be without it. Uh, I also like her sense of humor and her her particular perspectives and takes on things. I also enjoy Anne Friedman. She has a more feminist lens and I, I like, actually what I like best um, is the curation of links and various other readings. So on the one hand, you get a good article or, or a good newsletter being delivered into your inbox. But from that, you have 20 to 30 other things that mm. you can click through at your leisure and enjoy, which is actually um, sometimes overwhelming. And so while I really enjoy both, I will often put them aside and read them at a later day or a later week. I don't necessarily read them the minute they arrive in my inbox. And I think it's because I want to be able to carve out the time for it. And I was thinking about that in relation to what Darshini said earlier about trying to figure out the ideal length. And I think there is the ideal length, but also there is the ideal... How many offshoots are there? Are there no offshoots? <laughs> it's, you know, do you get this and then that's that's what it is and you're just reading this thing? Or are there also maybe 10 things that you could click on within that email that could then better inform what you're reading, which is a great value add. But depending on how much time you have and how much time you carve out, um, what, what was it that Darshni said earlier? On the throne. <laughs> <laughs> on the throne. On transport. What have you. It shapes how... It shapes when you read the newsletter and therefore how many newsletters you can also subscribe to, which is something I'm curious about. I don't know whether people subscribe to loads. Um, I know that I, I keep it quite curated. I imagine that Firstly, I mean, paid and unpaid makes a difference, right? Because when it's free, people tend to take it for granted. You could subscribe to many and just not read any of them. Uh, whereas when you're paying for something, perhaps you take it a little bit more seriously and you want to make sure that, you know, you're getting the value out of what you're spending on. I suspect that attention spans being what they are, it's impossible to be subscribed to too many on a regular basis and actually get their value out of them. I did want to ask you though, and, and perhaps this is a little bit of soul searching for myself, at what point would you convert to being a paid subscriber? Because I ask this of myself quite often. Uh, for me, it is a personal 
a feeling of personal attachment to the creator of the newsletter. Mm. So that's me. I acknowledge and, and expect that it's not the same for a lot of people uh, for whom it may be more motivated by uh, how much value am I getting out of this, which is a, a very fair thing to, to go by as well. I was thinking about what you said earlier. Um, it really is, if I don't have time to read your newsletter for this entire month, would I still be happy paying for it? Mm. And if I'm at that point, I pay. It's kind of counterintuitive almost, right? But but that's how, um, for the things that I do pay for, that's how I think about it. No, I get it. Firstly, the newsletters that I am subscribed to, they don't have a paid tier anyhow. Uh, but I'm thinking about the artists that I support on Patreon and what draws me to exactly. support them. Yes. And I think it's the same. Um, I think I would be more inclined to support local content creators who are clearly using the newsletter as a way to support the work they put out. Uh, perhaps if they're in an industry that otherwise doesn't value that kind of work, then I'd be uh, more inclined to pay for what they're giving me in return. Yeah, so it is a little complex, right? This idea of paying for content in in today's world. Uh, But I do think for me also, it goes back to a personal connection and um, this notion of wanting to support work that I believe in. So we've been talking today about newsletters um, and the idea of subscribing to them and perhaps more crucially, paying for that subscription. Let us know. I mean, do you subscribe to newsletters? Do you pay for them? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.